Grace, mercy, and peace in the name of the Son of God who was born in Bethlehem for you and for me. How many of you know that you are getting a gift for Christmas? I'm going to take a little bit of a risk here and, yeah, actually ask for some crowd participation to start. Put your hand up if you know for certain you are getting a gift for Christmas this year. If you know that there's someone special who loves you, who thinks about you, all right, keep your hands up. I'm actually going to ask you to keep your hands up nice and high. All right, we have a lot of people who are on the good list this year, it looks like. (laughs) Keep your hand up because I want to know how many of you know what that gift is already? Keep your hand up if you know exactly what that gift is. Now put your hand down if you already opened it. All right. So we have some people whose hands are still up who still know exactly what they're getting. I don't know. Maybe you have someone like the Myers here in your family or the Prestons. In my family, it's my brother, Luke. Uh, He's 25 years old now. Um, But last year, uh, mom and dad weren't with us on Christmas Day, but the four siblings were, and he's the youngest, and he made a confession to us. There was about a six-year period in grade school where he knew every single year what every single person was getting for every single present, because he found my mom's hiding spot, and he kept it a secret for all these years. You have someone like that in your family? Okay. All right. All right. Oh, you wrap everyone. That's nice. Well, then there's, you could be someone like my mom, who she did all the gift buying and wrapping in our family. And then every year, there was always one gift that she would get really, really excited about and like over the top excited about it. And we'd all be like, wow, like, you know, who gave mom this gift? So inevitably, someone would ask that question, mom, who's it from? And then she'd say, oh, it was me. I bought it for myself, (laughs) wrapped it and put it. You have someone like that? Maybe. There's only a few of you that kept your hands up when I asked if you knew what you're getting for Christmas because the way gift giving usually works is that it has this element of surprise about it, right? Normally, there's no way of knowing what's underneath the wrapping paper. Sure, you could guess, right? You could shake the box, see what's inside. You could, you could feel it, try to figure it out what it is. But you'd just be guessing, right? There's no way of actually knowing what's in the gift. No way of knowing for certain, 100% what's in the box. Unless, of course, you open it. There's always that. There's two ways you can find out what's inside of it. You could just open it. That's normally what takes place. But what if you weren't able to open it for some reason? There's actually another way you can find out what's inside. It involves words. Yes, words. You could go to the giver of that gift and you could ask them what you give me and they could, using their words, tell you exactly what that gift is. And that's exactly what's taking place in John chapter 1. In the opening verses of John's gospel, in a very expressive way, John gives Jesus a very special, a very significant name. He calls him the Word. And then, using a very poetic type language, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. As you listen to John wax poetic, it might kind of be lost on you exactly what he meant by that. So let me put it very simply. What John was doing when he called Jesus the word was telling us exactly what his gift to all of us was. He was telling us that the word was my gift to you. I myself and my, my own gift to my people. The word was with God, and in fact, it says the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, creating all things through him. Nothing that was made has been made without him. And he also says the word became flesh. The word was God, but at the very same time, the word became a person. We can't really figure out what this means. The mystery of the Trinity is just that. It is a mystery, except one that we accept by faith. But it needed to be this way. It needed to be that God's gift to the world was at the very same time true God, able to redeem the entire world and also be true man, be able to bleed and give life that was the light to all people. What John is saying when he calls Jesus the word is that Jesus, God's gift to us is this. It is the gift of life. It is Christ. So Merry Christmas. Amen. What do you say we all go home to those gifts that you guys apparently know you're getting this year? We might want to do that, but not quite yet. There's one more thing I, I want to point out about gifts that I find interesting. People love guessing what they're being given as a gift. I mean, I do it. You tell someone, hey, I, I got you a gift, and immediately they start guessing what it is. That's part of the fun of giving a gift, right? But what would happen if someone enjoyed guessing what their gift was way more than opening it and ever finding out what it was? You laugh because you're like, Matt, that'd be totally weird. No one would ever do that, right? You're right. That would be strange if someone just guessed at what the gift was and never even opened it. And yet that's exactly what took place when Jesus came into the world. People were satisfied at just guessing what it was, receiving it, guessing it, but not ever opening it, and in a sense, not receiving it at all. John tells us about this. The gift was given to his own. He came as the gift of life to his people, and yet his own didn't accept him. John put it this way. He said, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Why didn't the world, why didn't his own receive him? Well, it's because while the word was coming into the world, people were too busy guessing at who the word was. The word came into the world 
and people said, hey, this Jesus is a really nice guy. In fact, he's a pretty popular guy. People tend to follow him. We should make him our earthly king. And yet the word was speaking to his people saying, I am a king, but my kingdom's not of this world. The word came into the world, into a world that he created through his word. People said, this guy's pretty smart. He's kind of like a rabbi, but he knows better. He sets a good example. Maybe I should follow him like a life coach of sorts. And yet the word that came into the world was saying, I'm so much more than that. I am your creator, I am your maker, and I'm here to be your savior. They didn't recognize him, and so they didn't receive him. It was as though someone whom you love, someone who loves you dearly, has given you a gift, and you took it, you looked at it, shook it around a little bit, made guesses about what's inside of it, but then gave him back. Said, no thanks. I'm cool with just guessing at what's inside here. You would never do that, right? If you did that to your parents who bought you a gift, that would be incredibly rude. If you did that to your significant other after they thoughtfully chose a gift for you, I'm guessing that maybe might not go so well. Yet think about how often we do that to our God who daily gives us good gifts through his son. We scroll through social media and we say, I wish I had that. I wish I have their friends, their vacations, their money, their house, their body, their car. And we don't recognize that God does indeed give us good gifts. He gives us everything that we need for life and then some. We don't recognize that he gives us that and so it's almost as though we don't receive that. It's not scrolling through social media. It's strolling to work thinking, I don't really like my job. I wish I could find my true purpose in life. We don't recognize that Christ has called you to the highest and noblest calling of being him in this world, letting your light shine and being Christ-like to others. And so we don't receive the gift of purpose for life that he gives all of us. It's like we're in content just guessing. We walk around with our heads down saying, I'm a loser. No one likes me. I'm a failure. We don't recognize that your name is actually written in the book of life and God gives you certain and sure promises that you are his and he is yours. And so it's almost as though we don't receive the gifts that he gives us through being a child of God, through being a part of a family of people who love you, don't think you're a loser, who want to laugh with you and lift you up, cry with you, and cheer you up. We walk around stressed, busy, complaining that life is full of drama. There's never any rest. And so we don't recognize the promise that God gives us in his word. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We neglect the opportunities to be with him. And it's almost as though we're content with guessing about what kind of things are good and gracious God gives us. And so we don't receive them. It's like we're cool being 
left out in the dark about what God's gifts to us are. And now John's metaphor, which he builds on from Isaiah, it starts to make sense. People living in darkness. Just a few verses after uh, our lesson for today, John says this. In his gospel, he says, light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Let's call it what it is. When we're strangely satisfied with guessing about the gifts of God instead of recognizing and receiving what he has to offer us, it's called sin. It's called evil. And is it any wonder then that when we live doing things that are sinful and evil, we experience so much pain, so much, so much hurt, so much pain and hate and tension and conflict and brokenness. I'm not going to serenade you with a song, but let me just point this out. Why wouldn't it work for me to go out back and dig a hole with John's guitar? It's because it's not a shovel, I believe Felicia said. That's right. Everything that was ever invented was invented with an intended purpose, right? The guitar was invented to play music. It wasn't invented to do anything nor was it invented to do everything. But the guitar was invented to play music, be a stringed instrument, and that's its purpose. If I were to go out back and try to dig a hole with John's guitar, I might be able to like move some dirt around, some leaves around for a little bit, but inevitably, we'd end up with a pretty angry worship director <laughs> and a broken guitar. And it's, sa- it's the same with us. It's the same with us, And with our maker. Because God made you. In the beginning was the word. Through him all things were made. Nothing that has been made was made without him. And he made you with the express purpose to give him glory. To give him praise. To give him honor. As you served one another and pointed people more and more to Christ. And yet when we live guessing at what his gifts are to us, when we live being okay with being left out in the darkness, when we live in sin, when we live doing things that God calls evil, we're not living according to the purpose to which he has called us. God made you in his image. He made you to be in a relationship with him. And so is it any wonder when we live trying to fulfill any other purpose, we're like a guitar trying to dig a hole. We end up broken. But it's precisely then. It's the exact moment when we were left out in the dark that the light invaded the night and the darkness could not overcome it. It's at the exact moment that the word came into the world and when people could not understand what the word was saying to them, the word became a person to speak directly to them. Let me put it simply. The word became flesh 
and he made his dwelling among us. And the gift that remained unopened because we were strangely satisfied with guessing at it, well, he opened heaven and he came down and he opened up himself for you and for I. That's the gift of life. That's what Christ did. And now we can say what John said because we have seen Christ on page after page after page of scripture doing what he promised he would do for us. With John, we can say how he closed out this lesson. We have seen the one and only son. We have seen him, the one and only son, come full of grace and full of truth. The truth of what God promises us throughout scripture. In love, I created you. In love, I redeemed you. In love, I forgave all of your evil and all of your sinful deeds. In love, I indwell in you and make you holy. In love, I promise I came once, I'm coming again. And I'm taking you to be with me forever so that you may have the gift of life in eternity. That's the gift of life. And the beauty of the gift of life, it's not just for eternal life. It's for this life too. One of the great things about the word becoming flesh and making his dwelling among us is that it allows us to get to know God. But when the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, well, it also allows us to know for certain that God knows you. When you say, God, no one understands what it's like to face the same temptations over and over and over again. God says, well, I do because I did. We say, God, no one understands what it's like to have family that constantly hurts you and lets you down. God comes up to you, points to his family, his disciples, and his cross. He says, yeah, I can relate. When you say, God, no one knows what it's like to experience so much fear, so much depression, so much anxiety that you can barely move, God takes your hand and leads you to a garden called Gethsemane where on a bended knee he sweat drops of blood because he was afraid. He says, I can relate. When you say, no one knows what it's like to feel like God is against you in everything that you do, you have a savior who says, I actually do understand that. I understand that because my father, your God, and my God, he did abandon me. He abandoned me on the cross when I gave my life for your life, but he did it so that while I dwelt with you for just a moment on this earth, I might dwell with you forever. And you will never know, never know, never know what it's like to be alone because surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That's the gift of life. The gift of life, the mystery of the incarnation, it's not just for a Christmas celebration. It's for every single day of your life. Because friends, if you leave here taking away one thing, know this. Christ Jesus didn't come to just give you things for life. 
He came to be everything that you need for life. He came to be the hope for all of your fears. He came to be the encouragement for all of your depression. He came to be everything that lifts you up and gives you confidence. He came to be the forgiveness for all of your sins. That's the gift of life. John's gospel tells us who the gift of life is. It tells us what we can expect from the gift of life and how he impacts our life. But before we go, I suppose I should mention, where do you get the gift of life? How do you receive this gift? Because the more I think about it, I've never seen Jesus. Have you? I've never, in my hands, grabbed the gifts that he's given me. Every December, I don't go to the mall to get my picture taken with him nor do I order his gifts when they run out on Amazon. So where do you get his gifts? And you think about, isn't this why we have so many different opinions about Jesus? So many different beliefs, so many different theories about how his life and the impact it has comes to your life. Isn't why we have so many different religions? I mean, just think about who's going to be sitting around Christmas dinner. What if you were going to be so bold as to ask them, how do you get Jesus? Do you have Jesus? Well, you'd likely hear a variety of different answers. Maybe your sister would say, well, I think I have Jesus. Well, after all, my faith is important to me. I pray. I go to church most of the time. I think I have him. Maybe your son would say, well, I mean, you guys know me at... I hope I have them. I mean, I try my best. I'm no terrorist. I hope I, I hope I have Jesus. Get to your cousin. He just shakes his head because he knows he's made some decisions that, well, likely wouldn't result in the gift of life. And then you get to your dad and you ask him. You say, do you have Jesus? Do you have Jesus' love? And on, like dads only can, he goes, Jesus, love me. What's not to love about me? <laughs> think about it. How is it that we got so many different answers? I think I have them. I hope I have them. I know I have them. Well, it's because Jesus doesn't come in a nice, neat little box with a bow on top. And because of that, people are still left guessing about how they receive the gift. This is why I love John's gospel, because it tells you exactly how, exactly where you receive him. In verse 12, John writes this. He said, to all who did receive him, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. How do you get the gift of life? You believe in his name. You have faith in his name. Scripture tells us faith comes how? Faith comes from hearing the message of the word of Christ. We read that in Romans. And so it is that the word that became flesh is not only the gift itself, but it's also the means of delivering the gift of life to you.
You do not get the gift of life by what you hope, by what you think, by what you feel. You don't get the gift of life by being on the nice list or the naughty list. The gift of life is a gift given to you purely out of grace, with no conditionality. It's a gift from a father, a father who loves you enough to descend to dwell with you and give you gifts that last not only for today, but for a lifetime. I suppose in that way, we kind of receive our gifts like a little caddy. Caddy's a three-year-old who lives with her family in Wales in the United Kingdom. And a year before Caddy was born, uh, her parents moved into a brand new neighborhood next to a neighbor named Ken. And Ken was in his 80s and didn't have much of his family of his own, but immediately sparked a relationship with their family and spent a lot of time at the Williams house. When Caddy was born, he unofficially adopted Caddy to be his granddaughter, grew to love her, spent a lot of time with her. And every Christmas for her first two Christmases, he would give her a very special gift. Well, Ken died two months ago in October. Needless to say, it's been, has been a sad times for the Williams family who lost someone that they truly loved. But just last week, someone came from Ken's house over to the Williams home and knocked on the door carrying a big black garbage bag. Mr. Williams answered the door and he felt awful because he thought he let his trash again blow all over their yard. But the relative of Ken reached inside and presented a Christmas gift that was for Caddy from Ken, that he had bought, that he had wrapped and packaged even before he died. And as, as if that were not enough, this relative reached into the bag and pulled out more gifts and more gifts and more gifts still. In fact, what Ken had done is he had bought and wrapped enough Christmas presents knowing that, well, he was soon going to go home to heaven. He bought enough Christmas presents for the next 14 years of Caddy's life. And as beautiful as that is, we have a father who gives in a more generous and a more great way than that. Through the word, we are united with Christ in an inseparable way and enjoy a deeper relationship, even more special than, yes, even more special than Caddy's and Ken's. Through outstretched arms on the cross, we have been given gifts that have been handed to us and received by us through the arms of faith that extend, yes, even beyond 14 years of our life. They extend into eternity. And it's all because the author of life, through his blood donation, really gave you the gift of a coronation. And he set the crown of life upon your head a crown of life that is yours to enjoy today, a crown of life that is yours to enjoy through eternity, a crown of life that makes you a son of the king of kings and makes you a daughter of the prince of peace. There's no doubt on Christmas, what we celebrate is the birth of a child. But we also celebrate your birth as well. Your birth that makes you sons and daughters of God through faith, by grace, in Christ alone. I like guessing about Christmas gifts. 
It's kind of fun when I know someone has bought me a gift. But when it comes to the gift of God, I don't want to guess what he thinks about me. I don't want to guess what's in his heart. I don't want to guess what he has in store for me. I want to know. And in Christ, the guessing is gone. Because in Christ, there is a word of promise that I am the gift of life. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. Christian friends, may that light illuminate your lives, not only today, not only this Christmas, but for the rest of your life. Amen.